There we go. Hey, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. Yeah, hooray, awesome, about being a kingdom people, the people that live on mission, and God's mission is to see His kingdom come and His will be done. Amen? All right, I have 33 minutes. Who thinks I can do it? Yeah, have faith. Amen. So we've, uh, I just wanted to share just again a little bit more about the kingdom of God. It's what Jesus preached about. It was His message that He came to bring. Um, and essentially, the kingdom of God is anywhere where God's will is done. Anywhere that God's will is done. So God has a plan and a purpose. Anywhere where God's plans and purposes are being fulfilled, His kingdom has come in that place. So the first place that the kingdom comes and the primary place that we wanna see God's kingdom come is in us. That we are the first place where God's kingdom comes, where His will would be done in us. Amen? And then it's wherever we go, we carry that kingdom authority with us. But we wanna see families look like the kingdom of God. Families look like heaven. We wanna see workplaces look like heaven and, and communities and every place that we go, God's desire and therefore what can be our desire is that His kingdom would come into all of those places. In Mark chapter one, Verse 14, we've got on the screen there, it says, Now after John was arrested, this is John the Baptist. After John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Now that word gospel means good news. So Jesus comes in proclaiming the good news of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe in this good news. So this was the message of Jesus. And he says, this kingdom that you thought was coming at some stage one day, I'm here to announce it is here right now and it is right before you. Literally in the person of Jesus, he said, I am the first experience and encounter that you're gonna have with the kingdom of God, okay? And then he says, repent and believe in this good news. So what is repentance? Repentance means to change our mind to be transformed in our thinking. So there's two parts to receiving the kingdom. The first is we've got to think differently about this reality of heaven. So they thought it was a time to come and Jesus said, it's a time right now. So they needed to change the way that they thought in order to receive it. But also you've got to actually believe this good news that the kingdom of God has come in Jesus. So we're invited into that. That's the journey that we get invited into when we say yes to becoming a Christian. It's not about a one-day reality, it's about a two-day reality. Our faith journey with God, our, our journey as a, as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, is a two-day reality, not a one-day reality. And yet, I think sometimes for a lot of Christians, it can be more about a one-day reality than a two-day reality. Amen? So this kingdom that Jesus came to bring, this place where His will would be done in every way, and then He invites people into this place. But Jesus says that I came to give life and life in abundance. So when the kingdom comes, life comes with Jesus. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and not just life, but they may have it abundantly. Who knows that abundant means lots. 
That's a significant amount of life. So not a little bit of life, but an abundant amount of life. So Jesus says, my kingdom is here. I'm inviting you to participate in the kingdom. And as you do that, you're gonna experience not just life, but an abundance of life. And also in the book of Romans, chapter five, verse 17, it says, for if because of one man's trespass, this is speaking of Adam. So that in the story of Adam and Eve, where they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and, and death and sin and chaos came into the earth. But it says, because of one man's trespass or one man's sin, death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. When are they gonna reign? One day when you die. Oh, good. So I just gotta hang on until I die, then I'll reign, yes? Is that what it's saying? No, it's saying we'll reign in life through Jesus. So this kingdom reality is like, I'm actually here to reign. I love Dallas Willard says that the discipleship journey with Jesus is about training for reigning. That God is training you to reign. Amen? Everyone's saying, I'm being trained to reign. Amen. So that's the life that we're invited into. This kingdom life that God invites us into is an abundant life. Who wants abundant life? Amen. I want abundant life. But again, maybe, maybe the message that we've received about Jesus or about Christianity has set us up in a way to not be thinking that Jesus has come to give me life and maybe more that Jesus has come to rescue me from death. That was the gospel message that I heard that was the gospel message that I was trained to preach, is essentially that God is angry with us because we're bad. We're sinners, we're just bad people and God is very, very cross with you. We're all naughty little children, okay? But thankfully, Jesus has come and He's taken all of our punishment. He got all of our smacks. He got sent to His room on our behalf. And now we don't have to receive that punishment and we can one day go to heaven rather than go to hell, okay? It's good news. Now, is that part of the gospel message? It absolutely is that Jesus, that we are sinners, that Jesus has come to set us free from the impact of our sin, the ultimate destruction of our sin, and we will spend eternity with God. Amen, it's good news, but that is a part of the fuller message of what God is about. Because it's not about the one day, it's about the two day, amen? It's not the whole picture to kind of zoom in on this little part of the story, which is the redemptive work of Jesus. It's huge, it's important. We can't know God without that work that Jesus did, but it's only part of the story. So I wanna tell you this afternoon that Jesus isn't preparing you to die. He's preparing you to live. Jesus isn't preparing you to die, He's preparing you to live. We're not here just to survive, but Jesus came that you might thrive. If you think about all the things that Jesus did on the earth, He healed the sick, He raised the dead, He cleansed the lepers, He cast out demons. The message that He, claimed to, to, that he came to release on the earth was a message that was good news for people. And I know that sometimes people think, well, We've got to tell people how bad they are in order that they would then want to receive the answer that we've just presented to them. So people think, I'm actually, I'm okay, I'm doing fine. 
and say, no, no, you're actually not doing fine. You're really, really bad. God's really, really angry with you. And if you don't do something about it today, you might die tonight and go to hell forever. Like, oh, I didn't realize that. That doesn't sound good. What am I supposed to do? If you pray a prayer, it'll all be sorted. Okay, I'll, I'll pray that prayer. Sounds good. And you pray the prayer and it's, is, is that it? Yeah, that's it. You're done. You're saved. Awesome. What do I do now? Uh, um, come along here on a Sunday. Uh, is a book to read. It's called the Bible. Read that. Talk sometimes to God. Cool. Is, is, that, is that it? Yeah, that's pretty, I think that's about it. That's what I learnt, you know. But that is kind of sometimes what we present to the world. Is that you've got a problem that you didn't know that you had and I've got an answer that you didn't know that you needed. <laughs> but it all kind of happens in this moment and then we're left to just kind of wander through life like, okay, thinking a bit differently and, you know, and it's, and it's and again, like, should you read your Bible? Yeah, it's great to read your Bible and pray and talking to God, but there's this life that you're invited into. That's so much more than just a one day reality. God came that we might have an abundance of life. But the way that we enter into that abundance of life is by following the ways that he has set up life to be. So as God is the creator of life, he's like, I actually really know how life's supposed to go. And I know the ways. If you follow my ways of living, then you're gonna experience fullness of life. But we've actually got to choose to follow those ways. We can't receive the abundance of life unless we choose to walk in the way that the life giver would have us. It's like when we think about the commands of God. Now the Bible in the New Testament, Jesus has all of these great amazing commands that he gives to us. Like to love God, to, to obey God, to forgive, to not judge. There's all of these great ways of life and they are ways of the kingdom. So in the, this true life kingdom, the commands of God aren't about keeping God happy until we die one day. So it's like, well, okay, I, got, I know Jesus has died for all of my sin. So he's died for it all. And yet I'm told to not sin any longer. But if he's paid the price for them, does it really kind of matter what I do from now until I die? Because ultimately he's paid the price for all of them. Okay? Have you ever lived in that kind of stuck place? Maybe it's just me. But you've kind of lived in that place, like I'm kind of saying, it's like, yes, my sins are paid for, and yet why would I then choose to, to change the way I live? Because it's ultimately just all gonna get sorted out anyway. I'm kind of free to do what I want. That's what people would say, oh, well, when I'm on my deathbed, then I'll, I'll repent and give my life to Jesus and it'll all be good. But the problem is we're being robbed of the very life that God came to give us. And that's the life that we are invited to enter into today. But these ways of the kingdom, they're instructions that we are to follow if we want to experience true life today. And yet so many of the commands of God are in conflict with how we might choose to live. Where Jesus says, love your enemies. Well, I'd much prefer to hate them. I'd, I'd much prefer to spite them and to seek revenge on them. Like that's what I would choose. And Jesus says, no, but there's a, there's a better way. There's a way that if you choose to live in my way, you'll experience life rather than experiencing death. 
And this is when we read, and if you, if you wanna learn about these, some of these ways, go to the book of Matthew, starting at chapter five up to chapter seven, and that is where you read about the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. These are these teachings that Jesus presents and they're life-giving teachings that he offers to people. But he says, look, you may have learned this way, but I'm gonna show you a true and better way to live. But I think it's a wrestle sometimes because it's actually in conflict with maybe what our nature would normally choose or maybe what we've been taught as to how to behave. Okay, so this is part of the journey with God is that we're not just being formed, we need to be transformed. Because the problem is you've already been formed. You've been formed by your parents, you've been formed by your peers, you've been formed by culture. You've actually been formed into a person and then we meet Jesus and he says, here's this whole new way to be formed. Well, I've actually got to change some of my form, which means I need to be transformed to understand the ways of Jesus. I need to be transformed more into the likeness of Jesus in order that I might enter into this life. Otherwise, I have access to a life that I'm not partaking in. And that's my concern. I think a lot of Christians have been given this opportunity to receive the life of God and that they don't enter into His ways so then they don't experience the fullness of their life. If we take one command, the greatest command is to love God with every part of who you are. It says, love the Lord God with your heart, with your soul, with your mind and with your strength. Now, when it comes to loving God, I need to let you know that loving God doesn't benefit God, it benefits us. God is not needing your affirmation. He's not sitting up in heaven just going, why don't they like me? I don't understand, I thought I was a nice guy. He's not insecure about who he is. When the Bible says, give all glory to God, it's not because he's lacking glory, and he's like, I've lost all my glory. And if only some people on the earth could find glory and give it back to me, I'd feel so much better about myself. When we give God glory, we're acknowledging that which already belongs to him. And in that way, I am the one that benefits. When I love God, I'm acknowledging that the greatest thing that I can ever possibly do is to lift Him up to that highest place of love and adoration and affection in my heart. And guess who benefits from that? I do. If we think of commands as these rules of right and wrong, and if you get it right, you get praised, or you get it wrong, then you get punished. Has anyone ever felt like that in their journey with Jesus? I gotta, I gotta know what, what to do because if I don't do the right thing, then I'm gonna get punished. But then someone's telling me that Jesus took my punishment so now I'm stuck in this conflict and I don't know what to do. Because we think of the commands in that way. Do the right thing, do the wrong thing. We, we've, uh, as raising young children, um, so Lisa and I, we, we try not to use language and I'm not having a go at anyone if they do that. We try not to use language like, oh, good boy or good girl. Because what we don't want to do is to tie morality to our children's behavior. When they do a good thing, we say, your identity is good boy. And you do a bad thing, then your identity is bad boy. Whereas the reality is, it doesn't change. What they do doesn't change who they are. But we kind of get caught up and that's kind of how we're raised in those environments. Like, yes, if I do the right thing, I'm a good boy. If I do the wrong thing, I'm a bad boy. And we bring that into our relationship with God. 
and I, I'm doing the right thing and I, and I prayed this much today. I'm a good boy. But then I forgot to pray today. Oh, I'm a bad boy. And we think God's in this place of, hey, happy God today and oh, sad God today. And well, then I did things that I didn't even know I wasn't supposed to do. So now I was trying to be good. Now I'm bad. And then I didn't do things and I'm, I'm, I'm just caught in this place of trying to please Him through my actions and my behaviour. And yet, I don't think that's what God is all about. He's like, I've, I've paid the price for all of your sin. And I've made a way that you might come into this abundant life that I have purchased for you because he's a good father. He's a good dad. He wants the best for his children. And if you say, I'm one of his children, God wants the best for you. But he's provided a way to enter into life that he is inviting us daily to step into. For a Jewish person, when they understood commands, and even when Jesus was asked by, uh, I think it was the Pharisees, come to him and they say, oh, teacher, what's the greatest of all the commandments? Now again, I think they were trying to trick him out, but they understood a command, not as here's the line, how many commands do I need to follow to get above the line so I don't get in trouble with God, okay? That's not how they viewed commands, that's not how they viewed the law. They viewed the law like a bullseye. And they knew if I follow all of the commands, that's like hitting the bullseye right in the center. Because they knew to live the best possible life that I can live is if I take all of the, the commands of God and I follow everyone, I know I'm gonna live in this perfect, amazing, wonderful life that God has for me. We come into it with a very different perspective. We think right, wrong, left side, right side, my man is good side today and his bad side today and we get caught up in this flow. But that's not God's purpose, that's not God's intention. He's saying, I have a way of life for you that I'm inviting you to live and if you follow my ways, if you obey the things that I've told you to obey, you're gonna walk in this way of living that is abundant and life-giving and amazing. And at the same time, you can say, well, I'm not gonna walk in that way, Jesus. And you're free to choose but you miss out. We miss out. We get robbed of living that abundant life. We tracking? Are we in the flow? All right, you're picking up what I'm putting down? And this is the wonderful thing. We don't need to wait any longer to experience this life, this reality of heaven. Jesus brought it close to us. We couldn't reach heaven. We couldn't do anything. There's nothing that our striving can do to get us into God's good books. There's nothing that our striving could do to get us into that place of that heavenly reality. So what God did is, he, is that He brought heaven down and He made it accessible to every single person. And in fact, the people that He made it, made it most accessible to were in the eyes of the religious people of the time, the ones that they thought were the least deserving to receive that. And yet Jesus made it available to them. It wars against every little religious part of us. And again, sometimes that religiosity, that exists whether you're a, a follower of Jesus or not. You can be a Christian or not, people can be religious. They all have their rules of what is right and what is wrong. And Jesus came and blew them all out of the water. But I wonder sometimes then if we understand, okay, there's this life that Jesus has for me to live this kingdom life. Do we trust that if we walk in His ways that we'll actually receive life? 
Or does the thought of living in the ways of Jesus kind of seem a little bit narrow and restrictive and lacking? And I think that's a really honest question that we need to ask of ourselves. Well, I know there's, yes, there's these ways of Jesus, but, but it feels kind of more fun if I just make up my own ways and follow them. And try not to step out of the line too bad, but I know if I kind of, oh, tripped over, it's okay, Jesus, I remember the cross, all good, we're all good. I mean, and this is where that, that distorted grace message comes in, where we say, oh, it's okay, the grace of God covers it. With, again, total misunderstanding of what grace is. God's mercy means we're not punished. The finished work of Christ means we're not punished. The grace of God is designed to empower us to walk in these new ways. So the blessing is, the amazing is, I didn't even have to strive to walk in the ways of the kingdom. I just have to yield myself, position myself, even as the Apostle Paul says, acknowledge my weakness. So I, I know your way is the best way, Jesus. I wanna live in the reality of the kingdom, Jesus, but I am so weak. I keep going back to old ways. I keep making up my own path, but I come before you and I acknowledge my weakness. And when we do that, when we humble ourselves before God, then His grace comes, which is the empowering presence of God. And He empowers us to walk in His ways. He empowers us to walk in righteousness. And He empowers us to, as we follow that way, we get to enjoy all the goodness of life. I don't think Jesus was disappointed in the life that he was living when he was on earth. I mean, the end sucked, but, but because he was Jesus, it wasn't the end. So it was okay. It was just the middle point. I assume he's eternally existent. But we've got to say, do I actually believe that if I followed all the ways of Jesus, it's going to be better for me? And I know there was a time for me where I, I thought, no, that's not, there's, the Christians that I was around and the people I was like, I don't want their life. And maybe we've got to ask that question, are we living a life that people look at and go, I want your life? Or are people going, I don't want your life. So if we're not living in the kingdom, if we're not experiencing that abundant life, then there's people around us going, man, you're, I don't know about this God that you're following and this kingdom that he speaks about, but it looks like your life is not doing well. And again, it's not then to put on a show, put on a happy, smiley face. Yes, everything's wonderful. You know, life can be hard and Jesus isn't promising, you know, everything just to be wonderful. But even in the midst of the hardest of circumstances, there's access to the life giver in Jesus. The Apostle Paul preached on joy, wrote a letter on joy while he is in a prison. And I mean, not any prison that we would ever experience today horrific places, and yet he had tapped into a way of living that had access to all the resources of the kingdom of heaven and the very person of Jesus himself through the Holy Spirit. So how can we know if this kingdom way is better than our way? Well, we have to taste and see. We gotta give, give it a good old crack. Psalm 34 talks about taste and see that the Lord is good. So you've actually got to consume something. You've actually got to give it a try. And it's in the, the consuming, it's in the tasting that our eyes get to see this reality. Now I know when it comes to, with my children, whenever it comes to trying new foods, they, they get this amazing prophetic anointing land upon them. It's incredible. 
and I'll present a new type of food and they already know that they don't like it. I'm like, blow my mind, man, the prophetic anointing's crazy here because you've never tried this food and yet you know emphatically, I will not like this food. Amazing. Even though it's got all the ingredients of all the wonderful things that you love, it's positioned and formed in a slightly different way that you go, no, no, that combination of ingredients, Father, I can already know. I just feel the anointing. It's, it's just, it's not, gonna, it's not gonna taste good. No matter how much convincing, it's not gonna change. But that's sometimes the reality. It's like I look and I go, mm, I don't know if I'm gonna... I'm gonna enjoy that. But you've actually got to taste it to see. I, I tell, I mean, particularly probably my daughter the most, I'm like, this could be your f- most favorite food that you've ever tasted in your entire life. It's like, I don't care, Dad. I'll just stick with what I know. And, uh, and we're, I mean, our kids could live on a very small number of food groups, um, as I probably could too. Um, yeah, heart attack. It'd be worth it. No. It wouldn't be worth it at all. That was a joke. Glad you're laughing. John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So he's, this man comes to Jesus, Nicodemus comes. He says, we know you're a teacher from God because you perform these amazing miracles. We've had a taste of this reality of the kingdom because we've seen it with our very own eyes what has happened here. But Jesus says, that's, that's not enough. You need to be born again in order that you might see the very kingdom of God. So Jesus offered them a taste of the reality of heaven when he lived on earth. That's what he did. He would teach truths about the kingdom. He would demonstrate the reality of the kingdom. And then he would invite people into that space. Miracles were a taste, but being born again gives us that sight. But for us, when we get born again by the Spirit, we have an ability to see, but we've actually got to step into that reality by changing how we behave. Amen? All right, so what are some barriers to us living in the kingdom today? I think one of the barriers is that we don't know that we can. So one of the reasons why people don't experience this abundant life with Jesus is because they don't know that they can. We've been prepared for death rather than discipled into life. And again, when I'm saying abundant life, I'm not saying riches and caviar and new rims on your car. I'm not talking about worldly stuff. I'm talking about this experience with the very life giver. That's the kingdom of God. The Bible says eternal life is knowing God, this interactive, intimate relationship with the reality of God. That is eternal living. Again, not life forever, but life now with God. But so for some of us, I didn't even know that I could experience that. I thought I'd just purchased my ticket to heaven and I'm waiting until I die one day and then things are gonna be great. But now things are kind of, yeah. That's not what Jesus came to give. Maybe for some of us, we actually don't know how. I don't know how to experience the kingdom of God. Well, in order to experience it, we need to become an apprentice of the kingdom. 
It's another word for a disciple, is one who says, how do I follow in the ways of Jesus? Because again, as Jesus traveled around, he was showing his disciples, this is what it looks like to live in the kingdom. This is what it looks like to release the kingdom. This is what it looks like to experience the kingdom of God. And if that's you, I encourage you, find somebody, and they might be one step further in the journey, or even grab some peers around you and say, let's journey together to try and discover that if, that if what Jesus was saying is true. Because either what he was saying is true and there's life contained in the ways that he has established for us, or it's not true. But I've got to believe that he was truthful when he said, if you live in this way, you'll experience that abundant life. Or maybe for some of us, the barrier is we actually just don't give it the attention it requires. When we say yes to following Jesus, it's not automatic or immediate that we get to experience all the fullness of the kingdom of God. It requires several things. It requires repentance. So we've actually got to change the way that we think about life and the world and everything. My life is going in this direction and all of a sudden Jesus comes and now I'm going in this direction. I'm pursuing things that I never pursued before. I'm taking stock of my life in a way that I never did before. So it requires that I change how I think. It requires training to be apprenticed by others. And again, you're here, part of your apprenticeship is to be equipped as to how to live in the ways of the kingdom. So yes, coming and gathering together is one part, but if you're not taking what, you've, what you're learning and then applying it in every area of your life, every moment of your life, then it's gonna be a theory that sticks in your mind but it won't flow into an experience that you get to live. So it requires repentance, it requires training, it requires cost. We need to be prepared to live in this conflict of who we once were until we become who He desires us to be. So it means these ways of the kingdom, they're gonna, mm, I, don't, I don't want to choose that. I want to be angry at my enemy and I want to hate them right now because they did bad things to me. But Jesus is like, but I know you're saying to love my enemies, but I just really wanna hate them right now. So I've gotta live in this tension and God do a work in my heart, transform my heart so that I become, again, not someone who lives every day. Oh, okay, I've gotta walk in the ways of Jesus. He, he's, he's not interested in you living in that tension forever. But you've gotta acknowledge, right now my heart says, hey, and Jesus calling me to love. And he is the one that bridges that gap, okay? But slowly over time, or it might happen in an instant, that God changes our heart, and we go from being someone who finds it so easy to hate to, to someone who finds it so easy to love, and all of that hate drops away, and actually to hate stops being an option for us. And that's when we know transformation happens. It's like if you struggle with an addiction, and you know, well, I've got to, be abstinent, I've got to just stop hanging around those people, I've got to stop you know, spending time doing those things because I know there's a better way and that's freedom from addiction over here, but I'm stuck in this place of I really, I, I wanna go back to those ways, but I know it's destructive. I wanna go back to those ways, but I know it's not gonna be good for me. I'm living in this tension. But as Jesus takes us on a transformation journey, we get to this place of freedom from addiction and we might look at it and go, the thought never ever even enters into my mind. That's what transformation looks like and that's what Jesus offers us. Again, not to live, well, I'm this person, but I'm trying to do these things. But there's gonna be a time 
there's always a season between where I am now and where I know God wants me to be as I'm on that transformation journey, okay? In this community, we give grace and mercy to people to be on the journey. Now, that's not saying stuck here and going, oh, well, I'll just embrace this bad, broken life. It's like, no, no, you gotta stay in that place of hope, stay in the place of expectation of what God's doing. But on that process and that journey, it takes time and it's okay. And that is the last point of one of the barriers, um, sorry, giving it attention requires, it requires transformation. We wanna naturally live in these supernatural ways. Okay, so it stops being this wrestle and this hardship. But actually, I love doing the things of God. I love following the, the ways of God this, because I've become like Jesus and Jesus delighted to do the will of the Father. And one day I'm gonna become the kind of person that delights to do the will of the Father. And you know what's amazing? So Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You've heard that verse? John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That is the promise of God for us. He is the light of the world and when we follow Him, we don't have to walk in darkness, lost, bumping into things, tripping over things all the time. But you know who also is the light of the world? You are. No, no, I thought Jesus was. He, he is but when you are transformed more and more into his likeness, you become the light of the world. That's in Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they might see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. So this amazing thing is that we go from being someone looking and finding his light to then being a light receiver, but then we get to live a life where we become life givers and light givers to those around us. Everywhere that we go, Jesus goes. By the Holy Spirit. Every room we walk into, Jesus walks into. I love, we sang this song this morning, you know, when you walk into the room, everything changes and I don't know the rest of the words, but there's this idea, yes, when Jesus comes into a room, everything changes. Well, guess what? Every room you walk into is Jesus walking into a room. Every school, every business, every neighbourhood, as we live, as Him, so He lives. And now you might be feeling like, well, I feel like I'm only like, I'm this much Jesus. I've got this much of me and I'm about this much Jesus, okay? That's okay. That's all you need is this much Jesus. This much, mesh, mush, 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 mesh, meh. All you gotta do is let that little bit shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Yep, yep. So you might feel, you might feel like, man, I'm, I'm like a mustard seed Jesus. Or you might feel, I'm a mountain-sized Jesus. I got so much Jesus in me. I've been so transformed. It's amazing. But we do the same thing is that we offer ourselves to God. In the book of Romans, it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, is to give yourself. So you might have you know, a little bit, two coins, Jesus. You might have an abundant storehouse of Jesus. But wherever you are on that journey, 
Because if you say, I'm only like, there's one bit of me that's been transformed to be like Jesus. The rest is really, really not like Jesus. Okay, he'll use that bit. And he'll take that little bit and he'll multiply it and he'll transform it and he'll use it to bless other people. So I'm a horrible person, but I can smile at strangers. Good, that might be the little bit that you got to give. I'm sure you've all got so much more, but I'm just saying like it's not, because sometimes we disqualify that God could use me because I'm not enough like Jesus. But all he needs is two coins. All he needs is your loaf and your fish. And he will multiply that and use that, that you could be a blessing. So when you begin your journey with Jesus, that's when he wants to start using you to be a blessing to those around you. Watch him multiply himself and others through you. All right, final bit. I've gone over, I apologize. It's only five minutes, you can handle it. How can we live in God's kingdom today? Well, the first thing is we've got to obey his ways. We've just got to obey his ways, the ways of the kingdom. So when we're reading through the Bible and Jesus says, go and do this, we say, I'm gonna give it a go, Jesus. I'm gonna choose to live in your way. I'm gonna choose your way rather than my way. And I'm gonna expect that as I taste and see, I'm gonna see that you're good and you're right and you're truthful. And your way is actually a better way for me. So the first one is obey His ways. The second is to expect His presence. So when we choose to walk in His ways, expect that He's gonna show up. And it might show up even just as a confirmation in your heart and you'll just feel the pleasure of God saying, well done, well done. Well, Jesus, all I did was not respond negatively to that person when they said something mean to me. But if we're tuned in, and so I chose your way, Jesus. He says, well done, just to expect that God's gonna show up and affirm you, expect that God's gonna show up and, and maybe do something miraculous. I have never seen somebody healed that I haven't prayed for, if you know what I mean. I mean, I've seen people healed in worship services, but it's God's like, can you go pray for that person? Because I wanna heal them. And I said, no, I'm not gonna do that. And then they just miraculously get healed. Generally, there's some kind of action and then response on the other end. Okay, that's kind of how it works. But if I don't pray, then I don't see the miracle. Now, God might use somebody else. He might just sovereignly heal them at any moment, but I don't get to see, I don't get to taste and see that he is good. So we say, well, I, you know, God wants me to go and pray for that person. But how do I know that God's gonna show up and is it gonna work? So you know what you'll definitely not know is by not doing it. It's the easiest way to figure it out. Just go and do it. Trust Him. And then when God doesn't show up in the way that you expect Him to, then you get to do that journey with Him as well. So we wanna obey His ways. We've gotta expect His presence and then we need to trust in His provision. Then when we walk in the ways of Jesus, Matthew 6, 33, Jesus says, seek first my kingdom and righteousness and all of your provisions will be cared for. He's like, I, I, I look after birds. I look after flowers. You better believe I'm gonna look after you. But if you go after your ways and to build your kingdom, then you're gonna get the fruit of what it looks like for you to be king. But if you go after my ways and you seek to build my kingdom and you walk in my righteous paths, watch me provide everything that you need. So we should expect that God will provide all that we need. Amen. I wanna pray for you. So why don't you stand and then we can eat soup 
and have amazing fellowship together. And I'd love it. Andrew could come and play because he's so beautiful at playing the keys. Amen, amen. All right, why don't you just, just position yourself before Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. We thank you that your kingdom is here because you are here. And we are here just submitted and yielded to your will and your ways and your authority, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, I just sense that you wanted to give an opportunity for people to respond. Even as, as Nicodemus came and he said, I've, I've, I've heard these words. I've seen your actions, Jesus. And I know there's something significant about you. And your response, Jesus, was that he needed to be born again in order to see, in order to experience, in order to encounter this reality of the kingdom. And so I just wanna invite you, if you feel like, I don't know if I've been born again. I don't know if, if, if God has fully transformed me on the inside. And I don't mean transformed or your character, but the Bible says that when we become a Christian, we become a new creation and God comes and He makes His home in us. It is a supernatural act. So if that's you, I just wanna pray quickly for you. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that You would come and everyone whose heart is open, Lord, every, everyone who's, where the veil has been lifted and they've seen something of You, Jesus, but they wanna see Your Kingdom. They wanna know You in that deep way. I pray, Holy Spirit, that You would come right now and You would cause them to be born again, Lord, and they would know because You're coming right now to make Your home in them. We say, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, that You would form new creations today, Lord, that You would transform people's inner world and You would come and You would make Your home in them. We trust You, Holy Spirit, to come now. And we thank You, Lord, I ask even just for a witness, Lord, that they would feel Your peace. They might feel weight come upon their body. They might feel electricity or warmth or something surging through them. And You will prompt them to say, this is me. It's my presence, I've come to make my home in you and I am the one that's gonna help you to walk in these ways. You're no longer alone in this journey. And we thank you, Jesus, that you've done everything to please the Father. You've done everything to please the Father. But you're inviting us to experience the pleasure of heaven. And we pray, Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight and maybe they've been born again, but they, they haven't had eyes to see the Kingdom, Lord. They haven't maybe had the trust in their heart to say, I wanna choose to walk in Your ways, Jesus. Maybe they've been standing on the outside looking in. They've been standing on the sidelines of this life with You, waiting for a prompting waiting to just really, really know that it's all gonna work out. But I just pray, Holy Spirit, You'd come now and You would form trust in their hearts. Lord, give them a gift of trust and You would open their eyes to see. And Jesus, we choose to repent for where we haven't entered in, Lord. 
where we have been spectators of kingdom life. We have been standing on the sideline, maybe even watching others play the game. And maybe we felt like, well, I'm just not qualified to enter in. But I thank You, Jesus, that You've given us the invite. We're invited to that party. And so we say, yes, Jesus, I accept the invitation to the party in heaven. And I accept that invitation and the, the, the doors open now. The doors open today, Jesus. And I get to step in and I even just encourage you, if you just wanna even take that step forward into that place. And we thank You, Lord, that grace would meet us on the other side of that threshold, Lord. Grace would meet us on the other side of that doorway, Jesus, that Your presence would meet us there. And we trust You, Lord, that You will lead us along these steps, God. And even as we stumble, even as we make mistakes, even maybe as we turn back into some of our old ways, You'll be there present saying, it's okay, son. It's okay, daughter. You're gonna make mistakes on this journey, but I'm here to walk you through. Even as the Bible says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, why? For it is God who works in you to will and to work for His good pleasure. So we know, Lord, that the kingdom life journey is a journey that you find pleasure in, that you delight in, God. Like a, like a, a father or a mother teaching a child to ride their bike and they've taken the trainer wheels off and you're just going along, you know, holding on to the back of the seat. But your desire is that we would thrive in life, Lord. Your desire is that we would live in that abundance of life, God. And again, not seeking out earthly riches, Father, but seeking out Your presence, Lord. Seeking out that intimate place of encounter with You every single day, Lord. Experiencing You like a best friend experiencing You like our Father present in every moment of every day and hearing Your voice and choosing to obey and experiencing the fullness of life that comes with that. But we thank You that You are the one that transforms Jesus. You are the one that heals Jesus. You are the one that leads us. You are the Good Shepherd that leads Your sheep. But we choose to trust You today. And we ask, Lord, that You would build trust into us, God, that we can stay in that place of dependency, stay in that place of just leaning into You, Lord. You're so good, God. You're so good, God. We love You and we choose You today. And we thank You, Lord, that even in this week, we're gonna taste and see that You are good that You'd remove every barrier, God, that we might experience Your fullness. Thank You, Jesus. Amen.